Welcome to Step Into Magic, your weekly online radio show on how to develop your psychic ability, deepen your spirituality, and find your own true purpose. Presented by acclaimed medical intuitive, Josephine Lang. This broadcast is a part of the Wisdom and Intuition Network. This is Anthony Taylor, your host, and on behalf of Josephine, I'll be taking your calls and questions. This week's topic is Stop in the Name of Love. Spiritual Methods for Creating Ourselves Anew. For anyone new to our show, Josephine has been a clairvoyant healer for more than 25 years. During that time, she's helped thousands of people from around the world to heal from hard-to-diagnose and chronic health issues. She has also been a teacher and spiritual mentor for hundreds of people who treasure her insights, courage, and love. Hello, everyone. Whatever we believe about ourselves is true. That's such an amazing statement, but I've really found it to be the case in my life. And we're always changing. So we change from a child to an adult, and we change from a householder to a senior. And what we believe when we're young is different from what we believe when we're older a lot of the time. And our life journey really reflects those differences. So, you know, I can remember things that I remembered at age seven that were wonderful for me right then they worked out really great but then when i was at age 27 they weren't so great anymore and i had different beliefs instead that replaced those and so we go through this natural progression of our beliefs in our in our lives and when we train our minds in positive spiritual directions by guiding our beliefs consciously we can create our lives anew like the chrysalis into the butterfly as we open ourselves to new spiritual heights our soul path takes wing This increases our psychic ability, and we find ourselves in our own true purpose as well. But before I go into this topic any further, I always like to begin our show with our spiritual agreement. And I ask you all to join with me in this agreement now. And this was a gift from my friend and mentor, Jana Massey. And it goes like this. Together, we acknowledge that everything that we think, that we say, and that we do at this time will be of the highest good. And together we ask for truth, the understanding of that truth, and the wisdom to use it in our lives. Can you all agree? I do. Thank you so very much, and thank you everyone for joining me in that. Josephine, after last week's show, we received a very affirming message from Barbara, and she writes as follows. Thank you so much for your show on the foundational spiritual practices. It really helped me a lot. During the show, while you were talking about the importance of self-love, I made the connection that most of the negative events in my life are a trigger for my self-loathing. I've had reasons for feeling fear and negativity because I've had events that have created those emotions for my own self-preservation. So my brain has been trained that way. The brain goes where it's most familiar. So now, Instead, I forgive myself when I slip into my old default mode of negativity and I don't take the blame anymore. I say, honey, it's not your fault that you're being negative. That shifts the energy. Little by little, one by one, it begins to change both the negativity and the self-loathing. I'm so grateful. Love, Barbara. Oh, Thank you, Barbara, so much for sharing that. That's a really deep soul work that you've embarked on there and a beautiful way to turn it around and I'm really grateful that you let us know it's really a wonderful message 
So thank you very, very much. And yours is the perfect example of how we can begin to change these old habits with a really simple but effective technique like this loving statement of forgiveness and self-acceptance that you're now giving to yourself. That's really, really wonderful. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really like that, addressing yourself as honey. It's not something I've ever done. <laughs> but it's a great one, you know. It it's means great. we hold ourselves in sweetness. Mm, yes, very Wonderful. nice. Yeah. Well, we also received a really informative message from Alita about changing your life by changing your thoughts. And uh, she writes as follows. Speaking of changing your life by changing your mind, you may find this interesting. I've seen many miracles in healing through hypnotherapy. This is, of course, possible for an individual to do on their own, but may be quicker and easier if guided by a good hypnotherapist. Love you, Alita. Oh, thank you so much, Alita. And you're absolutely right. Hypnosis is a, a wonderful way for us to make really deep and lasting changes in our lives. Alita included an article from the Intelligent Optimist, an online magazine, and in it, it cited a Dutch physician, Roy Martina, who found it is possible to activate the right brain through hypnosis. Isn't that great? I love it because that you know right brain links us with our higher consciousness and it he said that at the same time when he gets that right brain activated uh, which engages the higher consciousness then simultaneously it neutralizes the left brain which is our analytical thinking brain which is you know going with familiar things and worrying about the present and the past or the future and the past and it's not so much in the present moment which is where that right brain is and the important thing he says about this wasn't the synchronicity between the halves of the brain, but the connection between the right half and one's higher consciousness. I couldn't agree more. I, I found this really interesting because it gives us a wonderful source for the solution to our problems. It allows us direct access to our higher self while we're working at transforming old patterns into new ones that serve us better. Well, that sounds excellent, Josephine. I mean, I'm assuming that what this is saying, if I've understood it correctly, is that if we get into that uh, right brain thinking that you've described before, we've got more present moment, going with the flow, not holding on, being more spontaneous and playful, if yeah. I've got that right, that what opens a door for us to engage more easily with the higher self. That's right. Isn't that great? Well, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's fabulous. I just love it. So back to the growth and changes that we make during our lives. When we're growing, we generally feel thrilled by life and have lots of energy. And a perfect example of somebody who grew her whole life long was my grandmother, Noni. And I'm sure many of you have known somebody like this. But uh, Noni was curious about everything and interested in, in whatever anybody was up to and everyone around her and all the things that were happening. And she just never gave in to negativity. I never once saw her being sullen or complaining or bitter or any of that. Isn't that extraordinary? It was such a refreshing thing to be exposed to in my young life, and it really helped me to see the potentials for our lives. It's really a great thing. And so, you know, if we're not growing and healing our lives, it's because we're putting energy into staying the same. And this can be really tiring and we can also feel drained if we're putting energy into negative thought patterns or if we're caving into thoughts of the, or the expectations of others that other people have for us. So I'd like to, if you could put on that next slide then, Tony. This is, I think this might have been wrong to us, but I'm not sure. I wrote it down on a little scrap of paper some years ago. I'm not positive where this 
the source of this came from, but I just love this saying and really have embraced it as my own in my own life. And it says that the foundation of our spirituality is to be appreciative of the gift of life, to have fun, to play, to laugh, and to see our lives as a piece of God. And I know I've shared that before on the radio show, but it certainly is worth sharing again and again because it's so great. So I'm just going to read it again. The foundation of our spirituality is to be appreciative of the gift of life, to have fun, to play, to laugh, to see our lives as a piece of God. Well, I don't know if that's around us or not, but if it is, it's really very good, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. I mean, I, I particularly like that, Josephine, because you know sometimes it can seem like you know spirituality or talk about it can be a little serious. Yeah, heavy. Yeah, heavy, grave. All <laughs> this is really important, and yeah. we have to, you know, take it. But the idea of you know having fun and laughter and playing and playfulness. I like that very much. I do, too. And, you know, when we really are in connection with our higher self, we're moving with our inspirations, we feel joyous, we are excited about what we're doing. It's just like my grandmother Noni. You know, everything is interesting and fun. It's a great way for us to be. So that's one of the things that we can do as a part of loving ourselves is to give ourselves that that wonderful ability to appreciate and love our lives. Yeah, and it's particularly attractive, I think, in seeing that quality in older people. Yes, yeah. it's as if you know it's it's almost like a a child uh, likeness, isn't it? That yeah. is carried through into old age. Yes, and you know we see it in different animals too. You know, mm-hmm. some animals are much more playful than others. And <laughs> I'm sure you I'm sure you know who I'm thinking of right at the oh, moment. I do, I do. <laughs> and you can get grumpy cats as well. Yes, our little <laughs> our little dog Honey is such a lovely little girl. She just loves to play, and it's so much fun to be with her. So our challenges, you know, that come up in our life, these are our opportunities and they are really gifts in disguise because they are the things that help us to grow. And one of our challenges, as I've just mentioned, is our suffering from negative thinking and poor habits of mind or dwelling on what is wrong or on how we've been hurt. This uh, can sometimes make us feel separate and alone and in order to feel whole and able to grow, we need to connect. So in order to connect, often we need to forgive. So maybe you can show our next slide then, Tony. Certainly. Thank you. So this one says that God's purpose for our sorrows is to connect us in our hearts. Our suffering is the most powerful impetus for change on the planet. And that was Ramdas. I'm going to read that one again too because it's so good. God's purpose for our sorrows is to connect us in our hearts. Our suffering is the most powerful impetus for change on the planet. And it's really true. I mean, suffering is so uncomfortable. (laughs) It just gets us to change because we're like, no, this is not good. I don't like it. I'm going to shift. I'm going to move. I'm going to change positions at the very least or take take a new tact in life. And forgiveness is a really powerful place for us to begin to make a change. But first we have to recognize that we need a change. That's a little bit tricky sometimes. But just like what Barbara said and what Barbara did, you know, she realized that she had a trigger that, you know, started those negative thought patterns inside of her. And now that same trigger brings change. It brings understanding and patience and forgiveness and self-love. I just thought that was so beautiful what she shared with us. It was such a great insight and a real spiritual skill. So thank you again, Barbara, for writing in about that. It's just really wonderful. Good job. Well done. 
And so when it comes to recognizing the patterns in us, another thing that we can do if we, you know, if we can find a trigger like what Barbara did, something that will kind of remind us that we, oh, right, that's when I want to make my change. But another place where we can begin is with the practice of meditation. And meditation can help us to recognize our negative thinking patterns because while we're in meditation, we notice, oh, gee, I'm thinking of that thing again or whatever. It can also help us to recognize our joyful thinking patterns. I mean, there might be something that we're really excited about, and that's great. But if there is something that's coming up and again, you know, some sort of a complaint or a worry or a fear or an anger habit, then we can notice the repetition in our meditation time. And like I said, noticing it is the first step in releasing the patterns. Another beautiful thing that meditation does for us is it also helps us to open the gaps between our thoughts. And our negative mental habits usually crowd out those gaps. They come flooding in into those little gaps between our thoughts. And negative mental habits are... In that way, they are an inhibitor to our psychic ability because our psychic ability comes to us in those gaps. That's where we reach for our psychic perception. We human beings, we are more than our negative thoughts and our worries. We are more than mere biological beings, little you know, biological individuals. We are spirit. And all of the great spiritual teachings tell us that we share the same consciousness. And this is why and how we already are all-knowing and all-creative. And when we open ourselves to being so, which is you know, what we do when we grow ourselves spiritually, um, you know, we develop ourselves psychically as well. And so this is what happens when we move beyond that familiar repetitive, those familiar repetitive qualities of our left brain thinking, including our negative mental patterns, and free ourselves to move more into our right brain as our friend Alita was mentioning in the article that she sent. And when we do, we access a much higher and infinitely more fruitful, wiser, new perspective in our lives. Well, it's really interesting, Josephine. I mean, as you were giving that description, you know, about mental habits and, you know, and the negative mental habits, you know, not getting in the way so there's no gaps in order for intuitions and things to come through, it made me realize that, you know, when I'm feeling very refreshed and well-slept, yeah. I'm very good at allowing there to be space for things to come to me. You know, <laughs> I take walks and things. But strangely enough, when I'm tired and I'm feeling a bit oh, over, yeah. over, you know, run down, when that would probably be the best possible time to give myself space, I notice myself crowding up, you know, my mind with thoughts and doing things and, and you know, distracting myself. It's just strange. Oh, yeah. Isn't that something? Good observation. So I'm wondering if just in the noticing of that, that might help me, you know, the next time I get caught up in that, thinking, no, 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 this yeah. would be a really good time just to, to do nothing, just to, you know, when you catch five minutes, just to lie down and let your mind, you know, have some space rather than trying to fill it up with something. Right. There's that wonderful saying by the Buddha that I love so much. I have it posted up in my healing room. It says, do nothing. Time is too precious to waste. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and like you say, you know, when we start to get crowded or when we're tired, we kind of implode in on ourselves and those patterns get worse and we sort of tighten and tighten and it's just not good, is it? No, not at all. It's just the one time when it would you do really well to yeah. give yourself a little bit more space to let go yeah. of those thoughts and allow something else to appear. Yeah, just do a little bit of nothing. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm going to be doing a little bit of nothing 
tomorrow. Good, me too. <laughs> That's nice. Mm, so another technique that we can use to sort of round the bend away from negative thought habit patterns is to have preferred relate replacement thoughts at the ready. And I've mentioned this before. It's it's a tool that I use quite regularly. And what I like to do is I like to ask myself, what would I rather think instead? You know, so there I am, you know, having some sort of curmudgeon little thought that's running itself around and around in my head. And, and I think, well, you know, really I'd rather think this. This would be so much nicer, you know. And then I go ahead and, and write one down, and then I try to write down another one and try to write another one if I can and maybe even get a list of six of them if I'm really lucky, but at least one, you know, maybe two or three. And then I keep those handy so I can refer to them whenever I find myself back in those old destructive or fearful patterns. And I have a saying that goes, our attention initiates creation. So whatever we are focusing on, you know, and I've, I've said it another way too, which is attention plus intention creates manifestation. And so the focus of our thoughts, whether they are fully realized or not, guide the energies of manifestation in our lives. And these create our lives and our futures in both physical and in ethereal realms. So... More simply said, maybe you can show that next slide because I think this is a really nice, clear way to say this, which is that when we change our thinking, we change our lives. And our minds really create our reality. Whatever we've been taught or whatever we believe, you know, whatever we fear or love, whatever we hold in judgment or embrace, these are the things that become true for us. You know, we've all heard it said that we, can, we see through the lens of our own perspective. You know, the is the glass half empty or is the glass half true? But the good news is we can change it. And when we change our thinking, we change our reality. Yeah, I mean, it seems so obvious, and it is. But at the same time, it's so easy to get caught up into believing that there's something out there that needs to change. Yeah. Rather than Because it's the only thing we can change, isn't it? It keeps coming That's back right. to that. We can change the way we think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm no exception with negative thought patterns or habits. I mean, I, I jump right into the deep end of that pool. And, you know, I find that when I've done that is usually when I'm in some sort of a, a learning growth pattern. You know, we all have these areas, sort of like our curriculum in the school of life here. You know, some of us come in with the financial curriculum, and that's the place where we have our difficulties or our successes. And some of us come in with the relationship curriculum, you know, and some of us with the illness curriculum, and some of us with the injury curriculum, and the you know, all these, some of us get all of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully there's as many successes as there are challenges, you know. But um, we all come in with these different patterns. And mine, of course, as you've, I'm sure, heard, uh, is the injury pattern that I've had. And then the related, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder that can often come with it. And I'll find myself in these negative thought patterns, and it's like, you know, deep in the night, and I'm like, oh, what if I can never do anything again, and la la la, you know, I <laughs> get going. And so I have a couple of, that's that's like, a you know, hopefully I can catch that, like a little trigger. And then I have this one little routine that I like to do, which is that I imagine that I'm on a stage, and this is the stage of my life, and there I am going into that whole routine of rah, 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 this is what's wrong, you know. And then I let the Keystone cops come out on the stage in their little tricycles and their little cars and all that and circle around me and chase me off the stage. And a new me comes out from the wings, dressed differently with a whole different idea and a whole different mindset. So that's one little one little thought uh, trick that I use. Another one is, do you remember in the old vaudeville acts, 
uh, they would sometimes have the shepherd's crook that would come out on stage. You'd see it emerge from the wings, you know, from the draperies at the side of the stage. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then they'd hook whoever was the <laughs> the um, actor or actress that was not being as much appreciated, and they'd just pull them off the stage. Well, I have a shepherd's crook for the stage of my life as well. Because our negative habits can really hold us back. You know, there's and, and these negative patterns, especially these thoughts, they can create these negative patterns in our lives and these negative habits, like procrastination or overeating or watching too much TV or any of those things. And so it's a good idea to drag those off the stage of our life if we can, because they can really help us to grow. And I loved Alita's suggestion of hypnosis, because for especially patterns like the ones I just mentioned, because when we are when we get in touch with our higher consciousness, those habits, you know, like smoking or whatever, they can go. And the same can happen when we use really strong positive emotion, like deep forgiveness and understanding, you know, which is, I think, in part kind of what almost happens when we get, well, it is what happens when we get in touch with that right brain, which we do through hypnosis. But we can also do it on our own, like Alita mentioned in her letter. But it does take some discipline and some, you know, some working with the self to go ahead and cultivate those strong positive emotions. But this is how we can cure ourselves. Then, you know, with that reassurance that we give ourselves, like I loved what, you know, Barbara's wonderful message where she was so loving and sweet to herself. Honey, it's okay. It's all right. This is just a pattern, you know. And just realizing and being really gentle and loving with ourselves. You know, we start by accepting whatever it is that is going on and then loving ourselves anyway. It's okay, you know, with with our practice, you know, having some sort of, you know, regular set response that we have whenever we notice our triggers or notice our patterns. And then with loving persistence, you know, just really staying in there. Like, you know, gosh, are are you sure you don't want to have a cigarette? We've always had a cigarette every night after dinner. You know, no, no, you know, darling, loving, wonderful body, I've made a change here. We're not going to do that anymore. It's okay. I know that you're just letting me know that that is the pattern. And yes, it it is the pattern that we've had. But we're creating a new pattern now. You know, something like that so that we are loving with ourselves. And then we can really help ourselves to release it. And another positive emotional tool that can really help us is prayer. And I like to use prayer a lot. I use it regularly. I use it as a as an internal mind habit. I ask for the change, I give thanks, I call for help, whatever it might be. You know, a lot of times I'm sure people look at me and they're thinking, oh, you know, I was talking a minute ago and now I'm quiet, what's going on in there? Well, I'm often I'm just uttering a little prayer. You know, how can how can this situation be filled with grace and ease? What can happen here? You know, please, you know, darling higher self or beings of the universe that are of love and of grace and of beauty, Come to us. Come to our aid right now. Help us to find the, the best way to reach resolve or whatever it might be. And so I use prayer a lot. And then also, you know, just having an openness to love and compassion. These are really the keys to change because they are strong, positive emotions. And love, you know, is why we are here. Always. It's all about love. We are here, I feel, to embody the divine, which I think of as love. I mean, you know, sometimes you hear that question of what's the meaning of life or why are we here? I think we're here to own our divinity, our own little slice of the pie, that drop of water that is us, that is a part of the whole ocean of consciousness, the whole ocean of divinity. So our own unique little bit of that, to really own that. 
And I think that we're here to really bring fully love, fully into the physical form. And that, of course, brings us right into our joy, and then we're right back at that great appreciation of life and the wanting to laugh and celebrate and have fun and, and you know, just really enjoy ourselves. Oh, that's so true, Josephine. Thank you. Yes, when we're in love, we're just so much happier. It is, isn't it? Yeah, everything feels right. Yeah, and we can be in love, you know, at the drop of a hat. I mean, it doesn't doesn't have to be that we're in love with a particular person. Mm -hmm. We can be in love with the sky. You know, we can be in love with the ability to move our bodies, any number of things. It's just so great. (laughs) Thank you. Sure. So... You know, a little more about that article that Alita sent to us earlier. I would just like to read some of that because I thought it was so, you know, I just love the way magic happens. And that thing came across, you know, my desk, what was it, a day or so ago that she sent us that article. And what a great thing to have come in right at this time. You know, it was just so pertinent for us. And I'll just read a little bit of this because um, that Dutch physician, Roy Martina, said, in the article, so this and it was the uh, turn right for enlightenment, and that was in was it the Optimist? Was that what it was? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So that's an online magazine, and he said the right brain connection with our higher consciousness overrides the ego-driven subconscious sabotage that keeps illness or negativity alive, and Martina believes that. This method adheres to Albert Einstein's adage that a problem can only be solved on a different level from the one on which it arose. He's talking about this method. It's about hypnosis. And healing takes place on a higher level than the physical level of of illness. Martina says he has seen tumors disappear, kidney patients stop dialysis, cartilage grow back and prevent the need for a hip replacement operation and striking improvement in impossible, quote, diseases such as Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis, which I think is just fabulous. I mean, I find this all so fascinating and so amazing. You know, I've done a lot of work on my subconscious mind, but I I certainly don't have that kind of control. But evidentially, you know, evidently, which is the word comes from evidence, you know, evidently, you know, this is a part of what we have within us that we are able to do. And it's not just one of us, but potentially when we learn how to really work with this aspect of ourselves, all of us do. I think it's just so fascinating. And then Martina asks, he goes on to say, is the opposite also true? Do we create our illness? Now, this is such a red-hot topic, I know, in uh, spiritual circles and in New Age groups. But he says, are we responsible for our suffering? So, you know, we might as well just go ahead and jump right into the dark end of the pool, deep, deep end of the pool here. And so Martinez feels that we do. But he says, no one does that intentionally. He says, if a child doesn't work through an emotional trauma, that pain may express itself as a liver malfunction 30 years later. He goes on to say, it's not your fault. I'm really glad he says that. He says, most things happen on a subconscious level. And that's why an aspirin or an operation doesn't always help and why symptoms keep reoccurring and why working through the subconscious mind holds such potential for healing. Now, with that, I, I totally agree. I think that the subconscious mind does hold tremendous potential for healing. And isn't that a wonderful thought, that if we could really learn how to harness this energy in a good way, 
you know, we could alleviate so much suffering from our world. I mean, this is one of those things that, you know, we're really getting into that area where it's like, whoa, can we, could we? I, you know, I don't know. But it's a great thing to think about. No, it certainly is. And, uh, well, I've seen examples of that, particularly in my work as an Alexander Technique teacher. Someone lets go of a thought and their whole countenance just changes. Oh, yeah. And from looking, you know, really shriveled and... And, and, and dying almost to suddenly, yeah. you know, glowing again and, and looking free. There's um, an, an adage that comes from um, Patricia Bolag, a teacher from Canada, and she says, the body expresses what the mind dwells upon. Wow. And um, I think that captures so much insight. It's not, you know, single thoughts, but it's what you keep thinking over and over again, day by day, week by week, year by year, that... Yeah. It, it really starts to, you know, shape your whole physical being. Right, right. And um, often, too, even unconsciously, you know, we can sometimes be dwelling on something like a tightness or a holding unconsciously. Of course, yeah. A lot of these things, they just slip below the plane of our conscious awareness and we yeah. have no idea that they're going on. Yeah. Now, who was that? Patricia who? Patricia Bolag. Bolag. Wow, that was great. The body expresses what the mind dwells upon. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that comes up in Alexander Technique teaching. Yeah. You know, you, you see a person shaped in a particular way, and you uh, ask yourself the question, you know, what's the thought behind that? Yeah, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that subconscious mind, you know, does hold, you know, really tremendous power for healing and growth, and its main language of communication is our emotions, either positive or negative. That subconscious mind, you know, it's such a powerhouse of our consciousness. It's really the workhorse. And here's an interesting anomaly along with that same idea about how powerful this part of our mind is. You know, there are psychology patients that have multiple uh, multiple personality syndrome. And I just find this so incredible. You know, one personality in that same person will have a disease, something like diabetes, while another personality in the same per- person just a moment later after a shift from one to the other doesn't have a trace of that same disease. Isn't that extraordinary? I know. <laughs> it just blows my mind. You know, But it's a very rare mind that has that kind of control over the creative power of our subconscious mind. And as I mentioned, you know, I certainly don't, but I really look forward to a time when we might you know, I'll be able to. It's just really incredible because our subconscious mind is such an awesomely powerful, creative aspect of our lives. And the good news is is that the subconscious mind follows directions, <laughs> it reasons logically, and it is our beloved protector, and it's always dutifully following our deepest beliefs, even when we've long forgotten them consciously. So, you know, there are tools and ways that we can uh, educate our subconscious mind and it really responds well to repetition and to strong emotion and we're going to cover this topic you know extensively in the spring so stay tuned in because we'll be getting back onto more of that but for now I'd just like to mention a film which is titled Emotion and now the reason why I mention this film is because it's so right on topic so please let me share with you the description of this film which like I said came across my desk yesterday and it goes like this Imagine a world where the trapped emotions, fears, anxieties, and unprocessed life experiences we hold in our bodies are the source of everything that ails us. That's the world we live in. 
Now imagine a world where everyone is manifesting from their heart the perfect creation that's inside each of us. Imagine a world where abundance, inner peace, longevity, and loving relationships abound. Imagine emotion experts from around the world sharing their wisdom and negative emotion clearing techniques to light a new pathway for humanity. Imagine we are sacred, spiritual beings here for a much larger reason, serving a much larger purpose, a divine purpose. That's where we are going. So I'd like to go back for just one more moment to negative thinking and negative experiences in our lives, like illness or other traumas. So these can be true moments of transformation. They are the wake-up calls in our lives. So things like divorce or bereavement or disease, you know, these really do shake us right to our core. And often they bring us to a much-needed change. I've heard it said, and I really feel that it's true, that depression can be like an emergency break to the soul. You know, we, when we have something like that, that really comes and takes over our lives and just sweeps through us like a tidal wave. We might have to take to our beds or something. And and um, hopefully we can use the time, you know, even if we're just sleeping through it, to process our feelings and to begin to heal our emotions in some way or another. But that thought of the emergency break of the soul, you know, that we just sometimes we just have to process what's happened to us in our lives because these things can be so huge and so devastating. And then... Uh, I think that as we begin to understand our lives from a soul growth perspective, you know, from that 2020 clear vision, that hindsight view, then we start to see that the life force within us fuels our experience, that we alone direct and manage the quality of our life force energy from within us. And how we choose to manage this energy, whether to our benefit or to our detriment, changes our experience of life accordingly. And that understanding this opens the door to the frontiers of our of our freedom in life. Wow, that's very inspiring. You know, to to think that you know that's what we if we do that, you know, that we can take control, have the reins in our own hands. Yeah, you know, it's going to take a lot of inner work, and um, and who knows? I mean, I'm no pro here. I'm just working as hard as I can on it, but we'll see. <laughs> but I really do feel that that you know i the little bit that i have been able to really crack this nut myself in my own life i do see how much my own energy directs my own focus and life force energy directs the day-to-day experiences that i have and so paying attention to that is is a really important thing in our lives and presumably then you have to allow it you know more free reign in your life rather than keeping it in check the whole time that's right mm-hmm. yep yeah so yeah, it's a lot about letting go and letting love, you know, guide us and finding our way into the positive mindset through whatever tools and techniques we can use. Like like I love Barbara's little tool that she shared with us at the start of the show. Beautiful tool. So a prevalent negative theme in my life has been injury. Right? Oh, whoopsie, there goes the banana peel, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's also been the path of my greatest soul growth and I've had that experience where I've had to take to my bed on two separate occasions. Um, uh, I had to spend a year in bed twice. And I often think about how, you know, my spirit guides and 
helpers were scrambling, you know, I think they're always scrambling around to get us on the best possible path for our greater growth and development. And rather than resisting the change, you know, we want to see it as an opportunity. The universe is constantly conspiring to create our highest good. And when we look and listen within for our guidance and our inspiration, we find the path of joy and our own true purpose. And when we're joyous, we find clarity and we are united with our divinity. So it's all tied in together, isn't it? Yep, that's beautiful. (laughs) So our memories are another thing that is a good idea for us to take a look at. You know, at age 17, I think I took a mighty crash off of a bicycle and I wound up with four days of total amnesia. I didn't remember who I was or anything like that. And I was instructed to, you know, spend time every day remembering my life. And we can remember. If we if we take the time, if we give it time, if we give it a priority in our lives, we can remember so much about our lives, especially in our youth, our early life experiences. And those are often where some of these little gold mines are, are stored. And our memories are like little threads. If we remember one thing, we can follow that thread of the memory and just sort of see if we can remember something that's right next to it or right before it in time or right happening at about the same time. And it'll lead us to another memory. And then from that new memory, then we can go and find another new memory. And our memories may not come to us immediately or all at once, but if they're invited, they will come. And when we forget or ignore our key memories, they can get louder and more persistent until we're forced to recognize them. And maybe you can show this next slide then, Tony. Certainly. I love this quote. This is by Ianla Van Zandt, a wonderful spiritual teacher. And she says, when God is trying to get our attention, first she throws a pebble, then she throws a brick. (laughs) It's like if we're not paying attention and if there's a memory that we need to get, you know, it's going to, that theme, that pattern is going to keep coming up in our lives and that it's a good idea for us to, you know, not only do we want to work on, you know, having replacement thoughts and, you know, thinking positively or using affirmations or working through forgiveness or whatever else it might be doing, but we also want to see if we can remember a time when we felt like that before. And then maybe there was a time when we felt like that even before that and maybe a time before that. So, you know, that eternal moment of now, that's where our power lies. Lives, And if we take the time now to do this inner work, we can, it really reaps good reward. And we alone hold the thoughts that bind us to the past and to the future. And when we let them go, we free ourselves to this present moment. And here we're free to be as we choose. And so that's a really good thing for us to do. So we can aid this transformation process in ourselves through personal and private ceremony. And that's one of the other tools that I like to use. And what I usually will do is I'll maybe take a cutting board from the kitchen and I might put a pretty cloth on it and I'll go back into my healing room and I'll set up on the meditation table and I'll maybe light a candle, get a a lovely crystal of some sort. I might say a prayer. I might state affirmations. I might say some sort of... I might even do a dance. I might get up and move my body to really feel it in my body, what it is that I'd like to create in my life. And, you know, this can be of a release. It can be like forgiveness or or any number of things. It can also be ceremonially going back through our memories and working with our forgiveness and, and making a practice of it. Or we can reach for understanding. We can try to see whatever was difficult in our lives from the other person's perspective, you know, what was their experience as 
children? What happened to them? What caused that reaction in them? Um, We can imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes. And our problems are often, like I said, our, our greatest blessings in disguise. And one of, you know, so there I was with my problems with injuries, you know, and one of those, during one of those big injuries, I went back through every year of my life and I worked steadily and daily and sincerely on forgiveness. I worked and worked at it until I could feel forgiveness for every single difficult experience that I could remember. It was really an awesome time. I mean, I, why not? You know, you can't move. You've got to stay in bed. What are you going to do? You know, listen to the radio. Okay, you can do a little bit of that. Watch TV. Nah, boring. Nothing on. 700 channels. Nothing to watch. Well, I, I'm sure there are some good programs to watch, but Frank and I don't usually watch television. That's all right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just would lay down and work on forgiveness. And it was really a remarkable time. And, and I found somebody had tossed out at a ceramic studio at a, at a college a, a bowl made out of clay that was very rough hewn and it had like a little trivet underneath it that it would elevate it slightly up off the base and it was not meant to be a pretty bowl it was meant to be as soon as I saw it I thought my gosh this is a burning bowl this is a bowl that I could write something down that I want to let go of and I could very carefully you know using fire safety I could you know strike a match and light the piece of paper that I've got whatever I want to release on it written on it and burn it and drop it into the burning bowl and let it finish burning in that ceramic container where it would be safe and wouldn't cause you know a fire. And so that's another thing that I'll often do in these personal private ceremonies that I hold for myself. You know, I'll, I'll, if I've got something I want to release or let go, I will write it down and burn it. It's a great thing to do. It really makes a strong, positive mes- message in my body-mind. And it's these strong, positive, or healing emotions that are keys. So, you know, it could be silent or sincere prayer for release and for our healing. Or as my mentor Jana said, and I asked Frank to make one of his beautiful slides of this one. Thank you, Frank, so much for the slides. They're always such a wonderful addition to our show. And this slide, if you could put it on, Tony, for us, it says, pray for the healing of the memories. And sometimes we forget to pray. We forget to ask for that. And, you know, sometimes we can even bypass the memory. We don't even really need to remember it. Or in some cases, you know, if if a memory is particularly painful, I don't think we need to remember much about it at all, just the tiniest fragment so that we know it, what we're dealing with, so that we can bring it to our consciousness and then pray for the healing of the memory, all of those memories that might be associated with that event. That's a fabulous technique that gives it over, that takes it out of our tight little hands and puts it in divine arrangement and in divine, into divine hands. And it can um, connect us with that higher consciousness part of ourselves and really create beautiful release. So that's another technique that I like. And then you, still another technique is the journaling technique that I mentioned last week. You know, sometimes if I'm find myself perseverating on something deep in the night. I'll get up, I'll grab my journal, I'll sit down, I'll write it all out, all the negative stuff. I'll just pour all the negativity out onto the page and acknowledge the truth, you know, of my feelings. And then gradually, after I've gotten, you know, kind of dumped it all out, I'll begin to bring in the higher perspective of what I've been learning or what I've been studying. And this, this you know, helps me to reach that, that different outlook, which is a miracle. That's a transformational moment. So all of these techniques, you know, personal private ceremonies of release, forgiveness, reaching for understanding, 
journaling, moving to appreciation or gratitude with that hindsight view, all of these changes, you know, they, they all change our internal climate in our mind, and they're beautiful things for us to do. Well, thank you so much for that, Josephine. We do actually have a caller on the line at the oh, moment. Oh, good. How lovely. Good Great. Yes. Yes, wonderful. Welcome. Hello, uh, hello Josephine. This is uh, this is Carl from Australia calling. Hey, Carl. Thanks so much for calling. So nice to hear your voice. Hey, I'm I'm really enjoying the show. Well, uh, because Great. it's um, it's very pertinent to currently how I'm feeling, and I oh. thought I'd call you up uh, uh, on a test case here. We can make this a live test case. Um, <laughs> Uh, wait, wait, wait till you wait till you hear the wait till you hear the news. Okay. Uh, no, uh, yesterday I went down to our local little clinic here because I had a uh, I had a, a, a mole develop on my back, and it uh, it was looking pretty ominous, and it was the only only type of mole that that ever pained. And so I went down, and the doctor took a look at it, and she says, "Hey, that needs to come off right now." And so the uh, so she scheduled an appointment and she put me under the knife and uh, she took it off and of course you know it it looks it looks like it was uh, skin cancer and um, but of course she'll have it tested and we'll we'll find out in the next couple of weeks but of course what that evokes in me is just all this bad juju uh, and it's all about past circumstances about how cancer ultimately, you know, killed my father, and it's also killed my cousins, and cancer has also uh, killed my mother, and uh, it's, uh, you know, you can't, it's almost like at that point you can't depart from your past. You can't disengage um, uh, from, from all those, that past juju and anxiety and the past um, circumstances. And, of yes. course, you know, what can you do but just, you know, continue living and, and go through the best you can. But psychologically, it's it's a real big wallop. So I'm open to considerations on how I can diffuse, uh, the you know, the, the, this past menace which, of course, is sketching out every type of worst-case uh, uh, scenario for the present and the future and just, you know, go right along living as I've always done. Yeah. So that's the test case. That's a good <laughs> test case, Carl. Thanks so much for yeah, calling that's does. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, but, the, you know, the, well, the past is such a, makes such a great impression on, on how you feel at does. the moment. It's, it's hard to it? rid yourself of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we are like little sponges when we're small people, you know, age one, two, three, four. We just really suck up those patterns right deep into our psyche, and they really become who we are and our identity and our, our whole being. Yeah, it's deeply grooved. In, yeah, Very deeply grooved into, yeah. into my thought patterns. Yeah, you know, um, the great Dr. Schultz, Dr. Richard Schultz, who I just love, he's a natural healer, www.herbdoc.com, H-E-R-B-D-O-C.com, or 1-800-HERB-DOC, fabulous healer. When he was, I think, 14 his or 15, his father died of a heart attack in his arms, and I think his mother died of a heart attack, a year later with him 
holding on and helping her through her death, sudden heart attack. Wow, that, yeah, that's bad too, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, that's really deep, going in really deep. And then by the time he was 21, he was in the hospital with uh, a heart condition that they said, you know, we have to cut your chest open and su- do surgery right now or you are going to die. And he had a, one of those real, you know, come to Jesus moments where he, or come to divinity or whatever you're saying might be, where he just, you know, looked inside of himself and he knew that his path lay in a different arena. And he took uh-huh. himself out of there. He literally just walked out of the hospital. And then he went ahead and began his lifelong journey of natural healing. And now, of course, he has helped thousands and thousands of people to heal themselves from all kinds of major chronic diseases and has miracle stories left and right. And I've, uh, you know, been using his herbs and his healing methodologies for many years, uh, both Frank and I, in our lives. And um, I think you have too, Tony, a little bit, haven't you? Yes, and not as much and, as you, but yeah. You and Chloe both have done a yes. little bit. And, and it's amazing the miracles that we find in our lives from from these. And, and But what I think the, the, the point here, though, is whatever you believe in, whatever you, wherever your beliefs lie for your healing, that's where you're going to find your healing. Now, I was raised with a natural healer mother, and so that's where my beliefs lie, and so that's where I have found my healing miracles. And, and somebody else is going to find their healing miracles in another avenue. They're going to find, you know, the standard Western medicine might be healing for them or Chinese medicine might be healing for them or whatever it is. But just aligning yourself with whatever you really know from the gut, from inside of yourself with what is going to be healing is the way to go. And that's where we find mm, it. Yeah, interesting. Sure. And then, you know, like um, our friend Alita who wrote in today, you know, with hypnosis, seeing tumors disappear and diabetes change and cartilages grow back in hips, you know, those kind of miracles are amazing when we get the power of our subconscious mind really on board and working for us uh, in a positive way. Now, that's not to say, like I said earlier, I don't have that kind of power yet. I would love to. I'm working on it. I'll see if I can at some point. I'd love to be able to say with that that I have that capacity at some point in my life. But in the meanwhile, there all, are all kinds of amazing techniques that we can use for our healing and for our well-being. And I think I've shared on the radio show a, a dear friend of mine who healed her esophageal cancer in seven days by taking baking soda water. And, of course, she loves her oncologist, and she had gone to her oncologist beforehand, and they determined that this was a cancerous tumor in her throat, uh, just above her uh, stomach, in her esophagus. And they took a biopsy. It was definitely, you know, cancerous. And then she went home, and she remembered that she had had a bout with cancer with her colon some years before, and she had, at that time, found out that she was very acidic in her body chemistry. And so... She went ahead and just happened to bump into a naturopathic physician, and the naturopath said, oh, well, if you're acidic, go ahead and start drinking baking soda water. And he recommended to her, uh, I think it was a half a teaspoon of baking soda and a half a gallon of water, and to make sure to drink that every day. And so she was like, oh, yeah, okay, great. So she did that, and then she had forgotten about it at the time that she had that esophageal cancer, and she hadn't been drinking it. So she started drinking it again. And when she went down for her surgery seven days later uh, to have that cancerous tumor removed from her esophagus, it was gone. It was gone. And they did like yeah. Well, I I I do believe that if you give if you give the the body its correct pathway, 
yeah. uh, that it, it, it will basically regenerate and heal because that's, that's yeah. what it wants to do. That's and right. of course, um, and that's also been my track record. So that experience, uh, you know, counters, um, you know, uh, the, uh, the fears and the anxieties of, yeah. uh, of, of past circumstances. So that I think is more deeply, uh, ingrained in me. And, yeah. uh, of course, uh, that, that's the path that I'll follow here in the, in the weeks to come. Yeah. And uh, just really, really just enjoy uh, life and because, you know, it's all about the now. It's not about yeah. the past. It's not about the future. It's being fully present and, uh, as you say, and, and approach that all in gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, deep and gratitude. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. in deep gratitude. Yeah, right on, Carl. Excellent. All right, well, thank you, Josephine, and thank you, Tony. And, well, thank you, uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, I'll let Thanks you know how calling. things pan out here. Yeah, and thanks for giving us the little test case. <laughs> a, little, a little test case. Yeah, always right, nice you. to hear from you, Carl. Thanks for calling. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Well, that was good. That um, was good. Uh, well, deeply shocking news for, for Carl, but it sounds like he has a very positive attitude. That's what's so important. Yeah, yeah that he's going to stay in the now and not get worried about what's happened in the past or yeah. in the future. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Our, and uh, our, it, it, I, I think when I heard him say that thing at the end about he has had experiences of doing that before, of listening to his gut, being guided, and trying to find the path that his body wants to follow to get well again. Yeah. It, it fills me with confidence that that's what he'll do. Yeah, and how great that he paid attention to that mole and when he realized that it was one that he wanted to go to the doctor about. Good action. Yeah, because right it's so there. easy, especially for guys. Yeah, just to, to just think, ignore oh, it. Just, yeah. I don't like the doctor. <laughs> yeah. That's often how I am. <laughs> It'll go away. Yeah, a lot of guys are like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and women too. We all do it from time to time. Yeah. So um, I see that our time is running kind of short, and there's just um, a little exercise that I'd love for us to do, or maybe I should just jump to our little homework assignment. Well, whichever you want to do. I, I, I do know that it's unusual for you to point to the, <laughs> to yes, the end of the is. me. I know. I'm looking here at the little clock. and it's, well, Or perhaps we should just save that for another time. We can do that, too. So maybe we should just move ahead on to our closing, then. Oh, it's up to you. I mean, I, right. is, how long is the exercise? It would be nice to have a little exercise. It would. Well, it's kind of a long one, and oh. it kind of requires a little bit of an introduction. So maybe we'll just save it for next week. Okay, that would be great. All right, very good. Okay. So? Oh, well, in that case, let me say my usual, then. The, the link right. to next week's show can be found on Josephine's website at stepintomagic.com. Simply click on the top menu for radio. And if you have a question for us or would like to be included in our weekly newsletter, simply go to the contact page of Josephine's, we- Josephine's website. Again, that's stepintomagic.com, and you can send us a message. So, Josephine, uh, do you have any parting words that you'd like to say? Well, yes, I do, Tony, and thank you so much. You know, there's that caterpillar out there in the garden, you know, and it's devouring its food. It's taking it all in, and when it has fulfilled itself, then it goes into its reflection time. It becomes a chrysalis, and it goes within, and it transforms itself. And it's a very interesting process that happens when the caterpillar does that. There are these rogue cells that appear in the caterpillar's body and the caterpillar's immune system at first attacks them and it destroys them but they keep coming they 
keep coming back. And they call these cells imaginal cells. They are like the imagination of the caterpillar imagining itself to be a butterfly. And the imaginal cells keep returning. And pretty soon the caterpillar succumbs to these new cells within itself. And these are the cells of the caterpillar of the butterfly that then begin to de- develop inside of the chrysalis. And before you know it, there are the wings and the bodies of the butterfly, and the mouth structure is completely different. It's not a, a biting, chewing mouth. It's a long tongue, a proboscis for sucking the nectar of flower. And then the chrysalis, the butter, as the butterfly grows, the chrysalis splits open, and the butterfly's wings are liberated, and it air dries, and, and then it takes flight and begins its journey, which can often be thousands of miles in migration. And like that chrysalis changing into the butterfly as we open ourselves to new spiritual heights moving through and beyond our experiences our soul path takes wing so in closing I'd like to thank all of you so very much for giving me the gift of your time and I'd like to finish with this little blessing as our gifts are given in love they are received in love and we honor their wise use and their increase for all concerned, and so it is. Thank you so very much for that, Josephine. Uh, As always, it's been a real pleasure talking with you on the radio, and I trust that everyone listening has uh, learned so much about creating themselves in you. Uh, This has been show number SG-3.14, and if you've enjoyed the show, we really hope that you will tell your friends. We look forward to having all of you join us again uh, next week when Josephine will be talking about loving each other. The nectar of life lies in sharing and caring. Tony and I wish you all insight, wisdom, and magic as you pursue the journey of inner knowing. And I hold you all in light and in love. Thank you so very much for listening. This is Josephine Lang. Until next week, good night.
The moderator has left the conference.